Hey, I'm Daniel, a political activist and campaigner turned management consultant turned coach. And this is PolitikWise, the podcast where politics meets personal development. Let's face it, it's easy to criticize those in politics. But being in politics is not an easy ride. And yet for many who make the leap, it's worth it. They can make a real difference. So how can we have both? How can we make a difference while at the same time showing up as the best version of ourselves? It's a question that's been with me for the last 20 years. First, when I started out as an activist leading an NGO, then when I did a PhD in politics, and later when I quit my job in consulting to help build up a political movement and run an election campaign. And today, as I coach young leaders who want to make a difference while staying true to themselves. I know the answers are out there, so join me on this podcast. We'll hear from political leaders, from psychologists, neuroscientists, philosophers about their findings and experiences. And together, we learn about the ideas, mindsets, and tools of wise people in politics and beyond. Let's go. My guest today is a social entrepreneur. He is the co-founder of Impact a social business that uses donations to invest in innovative local businesses that create a positive social impact. He's the former CEO of one of the biggest German NGOs and development corporation and humanitarian assistance, uh, Die Welthungerhilfe. My guest today is Till Warnbeck. Till, welcome to the podcast. Till, uh, perhaps I just described impact in one sentence, but if you could just briefly explain to the listeners What are you doing with Impact? It's a social business. What what is it that you're trying to achieve, and how are you doing that? Yeah, I, I think your one sentence captured it pretty well, actually. Um, so I hope I don't confuse things uh, now by by adding more beef to it. I think essentially what you can say is we are an aid organization that thinks it's a venture capital firm. Um, so what we do is we we do go into areas where typically aid organizations would go. Um, where there's great need, where people live in um, in poverty, uh, in extreme poverty, people who live on less than $2 a day. Uh, but rather than do aid projects, we actually put, in, put on an investment hat um, and invest in businesses that can create jobs uh, for people who live in poverty and thereby help people out of poverty because we believe that the best way out of poverty actually is a job and the best engines for creating jobs um, are uh, private enterprises. If you look at um, Sub-Saharan Africa, um, more than 90% of all the jobs are actually being created by small and medium-sized companies. Those companies typically have great ideas. They know what they're doing. They have a product that meets a need. Um, and, and they typically all have the same problem, which is they don't get access to funding to make their businesses grow. And that's where we come in with that model that you explained at the beginning of taking donations as an aid organization and converting them into investments into those small companies. Um, mm -hmm. That's basically what we do. We've been doing it for um, almost three years now. So we're still small, still, still a startup, but um, growing and um, learning as we go. And And just to un underline the difference then to the classic donation-based developmental aid, what 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 is how is this different from what we classically have seen in the last decades? Well, typically, um, aid organizations uh, follow a project approach. So you get money, 
say you're a private uh, aid organization, you get donation money, then you put this money into a project, you spend the money, when the money is gone, the project ends, um, and you start again, you start all over with new money, a new project, and often in the same place. Um, now, that that makes sense in areas where markets don't play a role. And there, there are many areas where markets shouldn't play a role, getting kids into school, for example, uh, yeah. maybe um, uh, kind of uh, driving uh, or improving the, uh, the role of women in kind of uh, in uh, governance of their, uh, their villages and what have you. Um, but there are many areas where markets could actually play a role um, and you could use them um, in order to make them work for the poorest of the poor. So that's the difference of our approach. We, we go where typically an aid organization would go and do projects, um, but rather than do those projects where you spend a dollar once, we actually invest and try to make that dollar work again and again. Now we do it as a nonprofit and that I think is a really important distinction, not versus aid organizations, but versus investors and impact investors. Um, because typically when you invest in businesses and there's lots of investment money that goes into Africa as well, um, you do it because you want a return. That's the whole point of being an investor. Mm -hmm. Now, if you take that return element out of it as a nonprofit, um, what we find is that it can be incredibly liberating because now suddenly you don't have to kind of look for your money back or return, but you can actually invest in businesses that have the potential to create lots of jobs because what we are interested in is not to kind of take value out of Africa, but we want to keep it there and actually want to empower businesses so that they can make the choice to create more jobs and pay decent salaries and pay, pay above living wages. And that's the kind of stuff that gets more difficult if you're trying to get your money back. So that's why I explained at the beginning that we are an aid organization that thinks it's a venture capital firm. We use the tools of venture capital as investors. We get a seat on the board of the, the companies that we invest in, mm. but we do it with a social objective, not with a monetary or financial objective. And that changes the game, you know, it changes the game between um, the global north and the global south. It changes the game between um, people we, we work with, um, entrepreneurs in the south, because it becomes an eye level uh, relationship about how to drive their businesses and make their businesses grow. Not because we want money out of it, but we share the same objectives as social businesses, which is to drive social change. Mm. Yeah. And And this is a company that you've co-founded. Now, you haven't always been a social entrepreneur. Is, is so, uh, by the way, is social entrepreneur the correct term? Is that is that a fair description? Um, yeah, I guess it is. You know, there, yeah. there, there are many ways uh, to call this uh, social business, social entrepreneurship. I think what, what I care about is not the what you call it, but rather our approach, which is trying to use the tools of business to drive social change. And um, and there are different definitions of, of things, but I think social entrepreneurship uh, cuts it. In our case, it really is this idea of not leaving the sharpest tools in the box to the capitalists. And I've worked in business myself for a long time and, and I know and appreciate those tools. Um, I've just not been that convinced about the use that those tools are typically being put to, which is essentially to make rich people richer. Um, and to whatever, drive up the market share of uh, canned soup, which is important, but it didn't really 
kind of was enough for for kind of a satisfactory life, I guess, and as a life goal. Yeah. So I've I've actually uh, tried to kind of not steal those tools, but to to reapply them and see if they can be used to to do other things than make rich people richer. Can they be used to make um, poorer people richer? And can you use them to actually drive more equity in the world? And I think you can. Um, I had to experiment a little bit. Yes, I've, I've been kind of in, in the aid industry, but I was uh, in business before. So I've been trying to probably spent the last 20 or 30 years or so trying to kind of use the best or find the best tool or approach from, from every, every sector I've worked in. Yeah. And say a little bit more about, about that, the, the, your motivation parts, because you're saying you've been in the corporate sector, you've been in the NGO sector, now a social business. Um, how did you start, start out? Right. So that, so I think many listeners of this podcast will be perhaps people who, who are starting out and they want to make make an impact. Uh, what, what's your story? Did you start out uh, very clearly ha having in mind that you wanted to make a social social impact or is this something that, that, that developed? Hmm. That's a good question. And, and honestly, it's always so easy to kind of uh, justify stuff in retrospect and, and uh, say that it all, all followed yeah. this, this great master plan. Um, if I'm honest, that's not quite my story. What, what I can say, though, is um, I've always felt that, that I was privileged. And in fact, I would say pretty much everyone who lives in Europe is privileged. Uh, compared to 90% of the world. You know, the question of that privilege is, uh, if you've been lucky in, in the lottery of life, how do you give back? Uh, and how do you use that, the, 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 the privilege that you are born into um, in order to make the world a better place or, or just try to make sure that people who maybe have not been as lucky in that lottery of life um, can, can get their fair share too. Um, so that I think goes back to my childhood i'm kind of i come from a not a super religious family but my grandfather was a was a protestant uh, pastor and his father and and his father and so there's this line of, of of protestant ethics i guess that i've been brought up with um and and this feeling that um we've got to do something with our unique skills and and things that that we've been gifted with and and use it not only for ourselves but for others now my path has been a little bit uh, less than kind of linear i guess um because at first i kind of was on my way to become an intellectual and studied history and history of political ideas and um and did a doctorate and was probably close to um embarking on that kind of academic route and then i discovered that that really i'm i'm more more of a doer um, and I like the, maybe even the competitive spirit of, of kind of um, going out there and, and, and seeing your ideas and practice and seeing them have some sort of success. So I moved into business, um, which, which was a very kind of um, a results focused um, organization um, or world. And I, I liked that, you know, and I, I loved, um, as I said before, the tools that business can bring, because if you look back the last 200 years or so, Private business has really uh, honed a set of um, of tools uh, that can drive results. You know, how, how do you set results? How do you measure them? How do you lead an organization? How uh, what strategy? And all these things that that you can learn and that I kind of appreciated. Um, and I've 
eagerly kind of um, soaked them up um, in, in the years that I was working. Uh, but deep down, I always knew that, that it, for me, that was always going to be a means to an end. So I tried to experiment with different things. I was working with Procter & Gamble, a big consumer goods company at the time. Uh, they gave me some time off. I went to Africa, um, did, uh, did a project uh, working with HIV people with HIV AIDS, trying to help them set up small businesses. I, I set up a small consulting firm for nonprofits while I was still with uh, P&G and try to put that idea into practice. And then at some point uh, I thought, okay, now it's time to actually make, make the shift and move squarely into the social uh, sphere. Um, and, and I kind of joined this aid organization that you mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. worked for them for a few years. And um, what I discovered was that that really was the field in which I wanted to play and where I wanted to dedicate my life to. Um, but it also became clear to me that um, there was an opportunity, there is an opportunity, I think, to combine these two worlds, the social world or the NGO world and the business world by, by just cross-sharing, cross-fertilizing uh, the, the tools a little bit more. Uh, and that's what eventually led me uh, to set up this organization, which I'm, um, which I'm doing now, Impact. Perhaps say a little bit about, about your experience in the NGO world. So it sounds like in the corporate sector, you... I mean, it, it it fulfilled part of what you what you found 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 fulfilling to have that this competitiveness, uh, learning the tools. What is it that you learned about having an impact and its limits in the in the NGO world? I think what I love about the NGO world is that, by and large, pretty much everyone you um, you you work with is committed to a cause you know those are people who have who've chosen a line of work they want to make a difference and they have accepted i guess to take some compromises and and pay a price for it if i look at my old organization and and the the hundreds of people that i've met who've dedicated their lives to kind of um, helping others who live in in really tough spots with not much private life sometimes constantly at at great personal risk, um, that is immensely motivating, I find, um, mm. to, to see people who, um, who believe in a cause, you know, and, um, and don't have to kind of get external consultants in to help them understand what the purpose of that, fir- of that firm might be. Um, mm. they, they live it daily, and that is, uh, that's very cool. I think the, the why um, of Uh, of your work um, has been incredibly pronounced in pretty much all the NGOs that I've come across. Uh, The tools then is a different question. They're different tools for kind of different lines of work. Um, And what I found is that the tools or the the how was maybe a little more pronounced in the corporate sectors, corporate organizations that I've worked with, but then it kind of lacked the why behind it. Um, So that I I guess the the challenging question is how do you combine those two in in a smart new way um, that you can can get even more out of that why that you're dedicating your life to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it also reflects partly my experience from going from a corporate consulting context into um, into a political context of a, you know, in a, in a world where I think um, it was very easy to apply all the best practices from the corporate setting into building up a political organization that was really needed. Uh, I think that that knowledge was lacking. 
Um, but the more I was in politics, I also realized that there are, you know, some things that political organizations do very well that a corporate sector doesn't need to do because um, like a corporate organization has, for example, uh, uh, their employees that they pay. And in a political organization, you need to create a volunteer uh, movement and a volunteer commitment. So there's yep. certain things that political organizations need to do well, which is, you know, create this commitment uh, mm -hmm. from people who invest significant time without pay. Um, and, and I learned that it's not just a one-way street. It's, it's both, both, both ways in, in terms of the how, at least in the political uh, world. Talking about politics, I think we, we got connected with each other also, I, th I think through this idea of um, politics as a vehicle for change or politics as a vehicle to make an impact. So far, we've talked about social impact and having that impact uh, in, in a social setting. Let's move to politics and uh, politics as a way to create impact. Well, what's, what's your thinking there? It's an interesting question. And the, the easy answer to, to the question is that that obviously um, all the big changes that we want to see in the in the world do depend on on uh, on political solutions. You need to change framework conditions. You need to change uh, legal uh, frameworks. You need to change the ways kind of countries interact with each other to create a more equitable world. Um, and those need to be political processes. So don't get me wrong. I think fundamentally it's. It's all politics at the end of the day. Um, having said that, um, the question I've asked myself is, where do I see my personal value and where do I feel that I can make a difference? Um, and what, what I find is that, unfortunately, um, most of the political processes that I've seen um, are not as much based on, um, on facts, not as much based on long-term strategies, not as much based on the common good than I think they should be. Um, so I found that even though the lever may be smaller that I'm working on, um, at least I can push that lever further. Um, so I've got a little bit of an, of an awkward relationship with politics, I guess. On the one hand, I do see it, uh, do see its role in principle and I, I don't want to do kind of a bashing of politics and politicians. On the other hand, uh, I do feel that sometimes if you want to, to really get things done and focus your decisions more on long-term strategy and on facts, uh, operating outside the political sphere might be a little easier. And, and, and it sounds like till then this is also um, because you said you, you, you understand that the, the macro trends and the importance of politics. And it sounds like, for you and for yourself, you've 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 come to the realization that for you to make an impact, you, you're finding that a social business or what, what you're currently doing is something that suits you more than 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 trying to get engaged in the politics, which which has all these characteristics that you just just described. So it sounds like a personal decision that you've made for yourself. Is that? Um, yes. Well, uh, yes, it is. But I think the on on a more kind of uh, intellectual level, I guess. What you could also talk about the distinction between politics and policy, and and I've always and I believe that policy is important. That you want to set kind of frameworks and set topics and set themes. Um, it's the politics of 
actually getting them through and creating kind of uh, majorities that uh, that don't impress me as much. And in fact, it's probably not a coincidence that um, kind of the word politics um, is doesn't have very good connotations. And you talk about office politics, and you talk about well, that's just politics. And yeah. and I think you do that for for a reason, actually. Um, so uh, I, I guess you have to be comfortable with with dealing with the politics if you want to change policy. And I've just found that I'm not as comfortable doing that. So I've made that personal choice to stay a little bit at arm's length. Yeah, understood. What you just said reminded me of um, a distinction that Adam Grant, uh, the, the organizational psychologist, makes in his uh, book, Thinking Again. He describes those mm -hmm. different thinking styles. And one, one thinking style is that of a scientist, all right, like looking at the facts. Uh, and, 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 and another thinking style is that of the politician, what he describes the politician's, uh, thinking style. And that's all about, um, which team am I on and what does my team think about this? Yeah, I would, uh, I would probably extend that view and say, well, there, there's probably also a business person's or an entrepreneur's, uh, point of view that's different from a politician's view and different from a scientist's view, maybe as well. And, and I, at least what what inspires me about business and entrepreneurship is that you you get to set yourself or your organization very clear goals you can actually define a strategy say that you want to do um, what you want to do and what you want to accomplish and then create a plan that sees you get ever closer to that that end point um, and it needs a bit of long-term planning um, and it probably needs a little bit of stability and stubbornness maybe to say, okay, that's the end goal and we're not going to be thrown off course by, uh, by everything that happens on the wayside. Um, that is something that I see in great entrepreneurs who stick to their vision um, and something that is probably a little more difficult in a political context where what your team thinks and what the stadium thinks might actually change uh, depending on, on short-term effects. Um, and and I would love to be able to stick to a long-term strategy um, as opposed to changing it too quickly um, when kind of the external um, kind of when when kind of the cheering from your team starts to become too loud. Yeah. I think the issue that I have that I can understand if you want to avoid politics in an organization like a business, right? Because the business has a purpose, has a strategy, has a goal, uh, and wants to achieve that. And you cannot afford departments going one way or the other, right? Based on their departmental interests. Mm -hmm. But I think with politics in the sense of a, in, in a democratic setting of, of a state or um, a supranational level, the EU, uh, here you're, you're, I mean, it's it's part. It's exactly politics is exactly part of the process of figuring out which way we should go. Politics is navigating is navigating those differences and coming to yeah, coming to call it majority decisions or coming to a compromise. Um, and it's messy, yeah. but perhaps it's perhaps yes, it's something to to live with. It's it's by definition something we need in a in a democratic system. Uh, yes, of course. I, th I think I, I would not kind of compare office politics with kind of a, a political system. Um, what I would say, though, is that I would I'm more comfortable in settings where you can set long term goals uh, that 
cater towards longer term interests as opposed to opposed to short term goals. And I think some of the it's probably one and I'm not kind of this is this is kind of not rocket science or not new what I'm saying is but the uh, the fact that today's decisions are being driven by today's voters and not necessarily by those who have to live with the consequences, um, I think points to a, an inherent kind of uh, weakness of the political system where we make decisions today that seriously harm future generations. Um, and, and that is a little easier, I guess, in, in a business context where by definition, or at least shareholders should be acting in the long-term interest um, of corporations. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and probably make that long-term thinking a little bit easier. Now, it's not black and white, and many companies still do kind of uh, quarterly reporting and kind of move from one profit warning to the next. Um, but by and large, kind of, it's, it's probably easier, especially in, in entrepreneurial kind of uh, family-owned businesses, to take the long view, uh, which I think we, we need more of. Um, and we probably also need to find a solution for the political sphere to take those longer term views into consideration more, because otherwise you'll mm -hmm. you'll end up making compromises for which are kind of manageable for today's constituency, but may no longer be manageable for tomorrow's constituencies. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And I think this is where the challenge of uh, political leadership comes in, right? I mean, um, what what what. What kind of political leadership do you have that, well, either goes for the, the short term or the long term, um, engages in the challenges of perhaps explaining something and advocating uh, for it that might have an impact, a positive impact, but only in the long term, uh, versus someone that that doesn't do that. Um, yeah. So, and I think by that, I, I was curious before the podcast about you know what would need to change about politics for you to say ah oh, this is something that <laughs> that is interesting this is perhaps at some point after my 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 um, activity as a social entrepreneur the way i could see myself in politics um, and i think we've named one which would be the short-term long-term thinking uh, can you think of anything else that from your perspective mm -hmm. would need to change about the way we do politics well it's I think two areas or two parts to my answer. One is that I would need to feel that my experience in, in business and in the NGO sector uh, would be, be welcome and beneficial to the political process. Um, and the other one is more a cultural question of how accepted is it and how possible is it to kind of move from one world or one sector to the next. Um, I was, interestingly, when I talked to my Anglo-Saxon friends, uh, for, for a lot of them, it's, it's almost kind of a, it, it's almost like a given that they think, well, at some point, surely um, I must be going into politics, you know, and, and uh, kind of uh, add that, that element to my life because I've done so many other things like academia and business and, and the social world. And it feels like, Kind of an, an obvious next step um, or an obvious destination even and i think in england it probably would be um, because they're kind of being a member of parliament for in, in the house of commons is 
um, is is really a very honorable thing. And and I know many people who at some point decide that that really is kind of the crowning of their careers. Um, in in America, um, things are maybe slightly different. You've got kind of more kind of maybe more kind of the classical uh, politicians, but you do have a lot of kind of fluidity between different sectors where you can move from politics to business to academia and, and back. Um, and and I'm not sure that in Germany that cultural openness really exists. What I do see is probably in the wake of, um, of Weber uh, politics as a, as a business um, or as a vocation, um, that it, it really is a, a trade uh, that you enter at young age um, and that you specialize in and, and qualify in. Um, and become effective of, but it's not necessarily one where you can get in kind of a little later uh, in age. And that kind of ties it to the first part of my question, which is, can my experience, which I've gathered in different sectors, actually be put to use uh, in the political sphere? And I don't see it in this country just yet. So I would say if I was English, I would probably say yes, by all means, that would be a a very inspiring next step. Uh, given that I'm German, I would say it's very unlikely. Mm, yeah. Perhaps um, till pulling pulling the threads uh, together and, um, and 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 seeing if you have any any advice. Um, so I, I guess a lot of the listeners will be people at the start uh, of their career and will. Probably also many of them want to make a difference. I think that that will be the profile of the listeners of the podcast. What advice would you have, if any, for someone like that, wanting to make a difference and being at the start of the career and pulling the threads together that we just talked about that we can make an impact in all of these different environments? Um, how, how should how should they approach approach that? Well, that's a That's an interesting one. Um, I, I think the piece of advice I would give is follow your heart, like listen to what type of impact really drives you and inspires you. I think that the worst thing would be to approach this in an intellectual sort of way. You think about, okay, I want to make a difference, kind of what different fields are there, Where, where's the impact biggest? Well, it's politics, so I go into politics. And I think that's a recipe for failure. Um, similarly, if you say, well, I want to kind of see something on the ground and I want to see results of what I do. Um, so where can I see results? It's in the business sphere. So that's what I'm going to do. That's also a recipe for failure. I think what, what you have to look for is kind of your area of passion, you know, and, and do you enjoy um, having discussions uh, in kind of your, did, did you um, stand to be kind of the school representative, the head boy at school? Um, did you uh, kind of drive change in your local class? Well, well, then maybe you like kind of, you like politics and then follow it and do it. Um, were you always more interested in kind of finding solutions that solve a problem and, and kind of see immediate results? Well, maybe then it's kind of more the business side that drives you. I think as long as your heart is in wanting to make a difference for other people, not for yourself, but for other people, then just, follow kind of the approach that comes most natural as opposed to the one that that has the biggest promise um, and i don't know if that piece of advice um, is yeah. very helpful so i'll give you another piece of advice that my dad gave me um he was actually a local politician um 
and mm. uh, while being a state prosecutor in his main job. And his advice would be, don't go into politics before you've actually made a career that allows you to be independent if you ever wanted to be independent from politics. Um, I think one of the, the problems that we face is that our, our world becomes too compartmentalized and specialized and people move into lines of, uh, of work too quickly. I think in politics in particular, I am a big fan of doing something else first, uh, establish a living, establish a career, and then you get the independence to go into politics just as much as I would say exactly the same thing for, for the social sector. Um, when I get people um, who apply for jobs at my organization um, and all they've ever done is kind of uh, the, the purely social developmental work, I typically say, well, that's, that's not practical enough. We need practical skills. So even there, I would say establish a field that's a little, that, that allows you to stand on your own feet and then make the move into social uh, impact. Uh, because then you have something to bring, then you have skills, then you have capabilities that set you apart. So maybe that's the, mm -hmm. the advice I would give. Um, Till, thank you. Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Uh, this has been a great conversation. Um, thanks a lot for taking the time. And thanks for having me. And thanks for asking these questions where I really had to think long and hard about what answer I give you. That uh, <laughs> it was a cool, uh, it was a cool hour. Thanks very much. Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked the episode. Please share it with someone who might find it valuable as well. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover or a guest I should talk to, let me know. You can find out more on my website. Head over to politicwise.org. Until the next time.